This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Hello there, how you doing? And how's the crack, I should say? It's uh, Kevin Riley here, and welcome to Irish Time here on the Manawatu People's Radio in Palmerston North. This is, like I keep saying, it's the best community, local community station in the, the, the area, the whole district of Manawatu, etc., etc., because it covers such a, a multitude of uh, different sorts of groups that make up the city, you know, make it a lot more uh, cosmopolitan. Anyway, what have we got here? This is just news from Ireland, by the way. Uh, you know, what is I pick up from the Irish Times, the Independent, BBC Northern Ireland, the Belfast Telegraph, and a number of other local papers. Anyway, this was a really big news over there at the moment. The long-awaited return of the National St. Patrick's Day Festival has been announced. With the festival taking place across four days, starting on the 16th of March. The theme for the festival is Connection. With the organisers seeking to celebrate Irish arts, culture... Heritage and invite the world to reconnect in Dublin after two years without a festival in the capital. Amazing, two years. The festival is set to be a landmark celebration and it, uh, it's described as the largest in scale and ambition to date. The St. Patrick's Day Parade returns to the streets of Dublin on the 17th with more pageants, marching bands and participants than ever before. A new edition... Uh, to the festival, we'll see a festival co- a quarter set up in the National Bank Museum of Ireland at the Collins Barracks, which will host uh, a number of uh, events. So what have we got here? On opening night, there we go. On opening night, singer-songwriter Lyra will uh, be joined on the main stage by pop singer Soul, with mothers DJs also bringing music to fill the dance floor. I haven't got a clue who these people are. On Friday, a special bank holiday for 2022, legendary Dublin singer and songwriter Damien Dempsey will uplift the voices of Dublin and the stories of Ireland on the main stage with Adam Mohammed and special guests to be announced. <coughs> Excuse me, I had a glass of water and it's stuck in my throat. The quarter will also host the Irish Food and Craft Festival, a daily showcase of Ireland's incredible produce. And, uh, you know, a chance for everybody to sit back and relax and have something to eat. A front row seat will also be available to all abroad who cannot attend in person by visiting uh, St. Patrick's Day Festival.ie. Okay, St. Patrick's Day Festival.ie. Anna McGann, interim uh, director of St. Patrick's Festival, said the very best of Ireland's creative community have come together to present a spectacular programme of events, the biggest and the most exciting offerings we have ever produced. Oh, that sounds something. 
hundreds of artists, artists uh, art workers and makers and create, uh, creators uh, will uh, be on stage and there will be lots of a sideshow, as it were, you know, stalls and, and what to make and what you, can, what you can make and what you can't make. It's going to be, it sounds like it's going to be extremely uh, interesting. Catherine Martin, uh, the Minister for Tourism, uh, the Arts and the Galtech, et cetera, et cetera, on the theme of Connections St. Patrick's Day Festival embodies the connections and synergies between the artistic, cultural and tourism aspects of my ministerial brief. And I'm pleased that both my department and Volta Ireland, Tourism Ireland, have been able to contribute significant funding to support an exciting programme that combines live uh, live and personal events and experiences alongside uh, and you know, showcases a host of brilliant artists and performers. In this way, uh, it's just going to be a great day. Uh, like several days, I should say, and we're looking really looking forward after such a long absence from the last event. And uh, what I got here? This is uh, Oscars. Uh, you know about uh, Belfast the movie, which I went to see yesterday. It was uh, brilliant. I would say that anyway because I was born and bred in Belfast. But I really just it was uh, you know trip down memory lane and sort of uh, reliving a lot of memories for me personally. You know, but it was uh, it was. Uh, an interesting movie, and hopefully it does get in. Well, it is in the Oscars, but let's hope it scores, you know, because I just think it was it's in black and white, but it was an absolutely, you know, spectacular, absolutely spectacular. Anyway, it's a long way from Belfast Tiger Bay to the cusp of the biggest awards in Tinseltown. But that is a journey Sir Keith Brannigan has made within with the film Belfast and has received seven, um, seven nominations so far. Uh, the heavily autobiographical black and white movie is set in the city on the brink of the troubles way back there in you know, late 1969. There was a civil rights movement was starting to take off. It has received many positive reviews since its release and is now in the running for cinema immortality at the ceremony on Sunday the 27th of March. It's not far away. Uh, Sir Keith uh, wrote, directed and co-produced Belfast, which has a stunning cast. It has there. Just it was just that was a really good movie. But like I said, I would say that anyway. Uh, it is set in around Montcollier Mon- Street in Belfast, Tiger Bay, Brannigan's home uh, hometown street. Uh, speaking today, Brannigan said it was uh, a hell of a day for my family and the family of the film. Today, I think my mother and father and my grandparents how proud they were to be Irish. How much uh, the city meant to them. They would have been overwhelmed by the incredible honour, as indeed I am. Brannigan's parents left Belfast and moved to England when the troubles started to take off. And at the Belfast Film Festival premiere in November, uh, the film was about to be, it was trying to understand why they made that decision you know, to make a movie, but his uh, background. What I felt very strongly about was the time that I felt very secure. I really knew who I was and how I felt in this city, and uh, I, I know I couldn't get lost. I, just, I liked the people. We were we were related to one of to half to one half of Belfast. Well, when I went to school, with the other half um, going to another other schools, uh, that was instantly lost in a moment of traumatic change, which happened to everyone I have met. I really enjoyed to understand my parents' processes to trying to come to terms with the the, the troubles that were about to begin. Yet the film is an affectionate part of a Belfast childhood with Buddy often uh, front and centre of the action. He was a good child that sort of did that, a young, young actor, maybe seven or eight, he was brilliant. Uh, Dench, uh, Judy Dench is there. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress as 
an award she previously won for Shakespeare in Love, while Hines gets a first nomination for Best Supporting Actor. He was brilliant. Uh, Belfast has been nominated in the coveted Belf- uh, Best Picture category, while Brannigan is nominated as the Best Director and Best Original Screenplay. The film has also received nominations for the, the Best Sound, while Van Morrison, whose music features heavily throughout, is nominated for the Best Original Song for Down to Joy. It was, you know, Van's music was just superb. Belfast faces stiff competition at the awards, uh, but whatever happens, the film has already presented a different story of Belfast to the world. I spent my adult life travelling the world, telling people with great pride that I'm from Belfast and always have met with some sort of gasp. Uh, people can't, under, can't believe you're from a place and that you, you came out alive, etc., etc. And now it has that kind of uh, tinge to it, hasn't it? People, uh, no matter what we say about uh, what we do, no matter how we try to package it, it is the world's view that we have to try and change. And if we can uh, show a different side of the, the city, that's really important and really good for uh, the, the city of Belfast and for the people who live in Belfast. All right, what I got here? This is down to, uh, what do I think it's the Irish Times. Coalition to unveil 450 million, 450 million euro package to tackle soaring cost of living. The government today has announced a package worth up to 450 million euros aimed at tackling the soaring cost of living for households and the countryside. Officials were last night finalising details of the plan aimed at offsetting rising inflation with uh, relief expected for electricity bills, low-income families and those struggling with uh, fuel costs. No mention of uh, rising rents. Isn't that interesting. Uh, the Deputy Prime Minister told his party last night the measures would be substantial, helping those on low and middle incomes. Under final proposals being discussed last night, the household energy credit could rise from the planned amount of €100 Euros to either €150 or €200. Euros. A doubling of the energy uh, credit would push the overall cost of the state up to an estimated €400 million. Euros. But we're talking about people here. You know what I mean? That's what a country's all about. It's people. Sources confirmed that uh, more targeted action could mean a planned increase in the work and family payment being brought forward. Officials were also weighing up a large fuel, a longer rather, fuel allowance season, but no decision had yet been made. And several sources mentioned that it is already due to run until April and may run and may go on beyond then. The Cabinet Committee on Economic Recovery will meet on Thursday afternoon to discuss the measures and sources uh, and, uh, you know, announcements are expected afterwards. There's a strong view in Fianna Gael that middle-income families should be included in the package. The Deputy Prime Minister said that uh, new measures to be introduced this week would tackle the rising cost of living would not be reserved for the unemployed and those on low incomes. It's important to acknowledge that the middle-income uh, people uh, may average salary with an average salary of forty to fifty thousand euros are also facing tough times. Minister for Public Expenditure Michael McGrath uh, briefed uh, at, at Parliament. Whoops, I've lost my place here. Ah, oh, there we are. That senators that there should be a focus on measures already taken, such as childcare fees being frozen, free GP care for six and seven year olds, alongside discounted travel for younger people, and changes to welfare payments. When you think about that, you know, I just read what happens in New Zealand. We're kind of ahead of the game here because we cover a lot of those kind of welfare aspects, you know, sort of childcare, doctor's visits, etc., etc. Anyway, anyway, another 
change of pace here. This is uh, the Belfast Telegraph. Tree to be planted at Stormont, marking the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. A tree will be planted in Stormont Estate to mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee after a spat when arrival and approval for it was initially declined. It's along with the decision to mark the, the, the anniversary of the Battle of the Somme by flying the Union flag instead of Prince Andrew's birthday. The Northern Ireland Assembly Commission confirmed on Wednesday the tree would be planted despite the Democratic Unionist Party earlier this year calling for an equality investigation into a decision to prevent a tree being planted on the Stormont Estate to mark the, the Jubilee. Isn't that weird? The party accused Sinn Féin uh, Minister uh, Conor Murphy of intolerance and, and disrespect after he declined approval for the tree planting. The Assembly uh, said on Wednesday that it had been decided to replace the flying of the flag on St Andrews, uh, Prince Andrews, sorry, on February the 19th, uh, with July the 1st to mark the anniversary of the Battle of the Somme. Earlier this month, councillors in Belfast agreed not to fly the Union flag at City Hall to mark the Duke's uh, birthday. It comes amid uh, the usual strife he has with uh, his friend in America. And, uh, you know, that underage sex, really. Uh, Northern Ireland exports worth $5 billion in 10 months. This is good news. Uh, new official figures suggest that exports from Northern Ireland to the Republic of Ireland were worth uh, 5 billion euros. That's uh, 4.2 billion pounds in the first 10 months of the year. The figures are uh, published by the Northern Ireland Statistics Department. Uh, they have already produced quarterly figures for Northern Ireland and other regions but the, the new figures show a vast improvement. Uh, different sort of data shows the rest of the UK is Northern Ireland's uh, external market is Northern Ireland's biggest external market with sales there of just over eleven billion. The new figures also show that imports from Ireland were worth two point seven billion in the first ten months of twenty twenty, and. Uh, $2.3 billion from the rest of the UK, uh, the European Union rather, and 2.4 from the rest of the world. The figures suggest pharmaceuticals are the most valuable trade category with Ireland. Exports were worth €735 million Euros in that 10-month period. The trade uh, impacts of Brexit and the Northern Ireland Protocol are still emerging and have political as well as economic implications. They sure do. And now, this is a, a quaint little story, really. The tiny islands leading the green transi- uh, transition. Just off the northwest of Northern Ireland, in the chilly waters of the Atlantic, lies a tiny L-shaped uh, island called Rathlin. It is home to about 160 people. Maine's electricity only arrived in Rathlin in the early 1990s with the construction of three wind turbines. One hour one islander enthused to local media about the benefits it would bring. She would no longer have to light a candle when getting up to feed her baby in the middle of the night. Uh, this clean energy came from almost every came from the almost ever present wind <clears throat> that blows doggedly over Rathland. I've been there, not on the island, but I've been in that area, and it is windy. Uh, and, uh, what have we got here? What have we got? Here? But Michael Collins, chair of the Rathlin Development and Community Association, the turbines did did not last. After about 10 years, they fell into disrepair. We couldn't get parts. We couldn't get maintenance done on them. It meant returning to high-admission diesel generators. And old Rathlin was uh, uh, finally connected with the, the Northern Ireland Electricity Board. 
the island's dream of resurrecting wind power and cleaning its energy has gone. By 2030, Rathlinburg wants to be a carbon-neutral island, following in the footsteps of dozens of smaller islands around the world, taking the fight against climate change into their own hands by embracing renewable energy, electric vehicles and sustainability. To become energy self-efficient, this is on the island of, uh, an island of the South Korean, uh, which is very much like Rathlin. The aim is to be carbon neutral by the end of the decade. Some say these green islands or eco-islands are shining examples. They demonstrate the power of small communities and act as beacons lighting the way towards the rest, for the rest of the world. But others argue that islands of a couple of hundred or a few thousand are mere drops in the ocean, which is true. When rapid, rapid uh, global change is required, worse than uh, these so-called examples might end up distracting mainlands from their own responsibility regarding climate change as eco-islanders just a waste of time. Uh, it's hard to say what to do there. You know, I mean, I think that it's good that someone's making an effort. You know, that someone's got to lead the way, even if it is a very, very small sort of move, but it is a move in the right direction. As in most corners of the world, the, the people of Rathlin are in, increasingly aware of the threats posed by climate change and biodiversity. We see the storms increasing. We see the reduction in fish stocks, the reduction in bird life around the island. But Rathlin's community, despite its size, is ready to take matters into its own hands. It's uh, the people's DNA. It's in the people's DNA. Uh, there's a pride in the island, a pride in the indigenous population, resilient and how we can cope with what, whatever nature throws us at. Currently, uh, Cecil and his companions are fine-tuning their plan to install a single wind turbine, probably one with a capacity of around 300 uh, kilowatts, enough to power about 100 of the island's homes. And they have encouraged the expansion, the adoption, rather, of low-emission vehicles as well. The islanders have acquired an electric car for community use, so good on them. And there'll be uh, 20 e-bikes as well. So they're just making moves in the right direction, no matter what you may or may not think of it. You know, I just, I just, personally, I think it's great. Because Rathlin Island is kind of, it's a really, you know, it's like the Aran Islands. It looks bleak and barren when you're driving past, uh, you know, on the, the mainland, as it were. And now, for something that's always dear to my heart, if anyone who's listening regularly, I'm a, a, you know, an animal lover. And, you know, I hate cruelty animals. It's just a, it's a personal uh, uh, dislike. Uh, Assisi, no more dogs as animal charity tackles a noise complaint. An animal rescue charity in County Down has said it can take, no longer take any dogs after a noise complaint was made against it. The Assisi Animal Sanctuary is looking for alternative accommodation for dogs in its care while it works with the authorities to resolve the problem. It, uh, it said a noise complaint was issued by the local council, which had been investigated over the last two months. Assisi uh, ASIA CEO Nigel Mason said it found an issue with dogs barking from five o'clock on in the early in the morning. Five o'clock. Last month, animal charities across Northern said they were facing a deluge of abandoned dogs as owners looked to rehome dogs bought during lockdown. I mean, that's that's really sad. You know, people just got that for company, and but as soon as restrictions were moved, the dogs were tipped out. Uh, this tells you how much how they, they actually had time for their dogs, you know, the sort of bond, and love and, uh, you know, connection they had didn't seem to work or it just disappeared. Anyway, the, sorry, the, uh, the sanctuary has been uh, based in Conlig outside Bangor in Northern Ireland for 25, year, 25 years and helped 
rehomed thousands of animals, including cats, dogs, rabbits, and guinea pigs. Mr. Richardson said they received a notice from the local council to stop the noise. It found there was a problem with dogs barking at around 5 o'clock in the morning. We've been here for more than 25 years, and uh, suspect dogs have always barked over that period. Uh, Mr. Richardson said the only way to stop the noise was to get the dogs off the site. <clears throat> over the last two weeks, we have stopped dog, uh, stopped dog taking dogs and reduced the numbers coming through the gate. The sanctuary has also issued a public appeal for people to come forward to help foster the dogs, otherwise they'll go into kennels. We had a fantastic response to that. We are also negotiating with local kennels to see if we can rent some space and get some dogs in there too. This will mean we can still carry on doing the work that we've been doing for 25 years and there hasn't been too many complaints in all that time. In an update, uh, social media post yesterday, the Charlie thanked the public after being inundated with calls. Good on them. Uh, with messages and emails from those wanting to help. Mr. Sidda, there's a bit of a problem at the minute. He thinks there will be a resolution <clears throat> if they continue to work with the local authority, Ards and Down and North Down Borough Council. It's a minor, <clears throat> a minor blip at the moment that we can't take dogs in and other charities have been very good and offered to step in. Good on them. But hopefully in a week or two we can get back to normal and we'll be able to take these dogs that we normally take in. So that's good. You know, they're just um, kind of be annoyed with people sort of moving. Been there for twenty five years and so, sort of, but it just takes sort of one person who's doesn't uh, you know isn't uh, isn't tolerant enough. Because I remember here they had an uh, Ashurst that had some guy complaining about uh, the church bell that was rung. You know, sort of bang bang. You know, every so often. And he just complained about that. He wanted it shut down. I'm not sure if it actually was stopped, but it was just a church bell going off, you know, in the morning. Not in the middle of the night or the early morning, but during the day. And I just thought that was... Just, I just have problems grasping that fact. You know, the fact that it's been there for all this time. This guy was a stranger coming into town to live. And uh, he was really unhappy about that. Anyway... Back to Belfast again, the Belfast Telegraph this time. This is the DUP. The DUP, uh, the Democratic Unionist Party, which are dinosaurs in my view. They're just completely people that want to re, you know, bring back the past, not the future. The DUP will not enter into the executive of the, exa- uh, the Assembly uh, election uh, until issues around Northern Ireland's protocol have been resolved. So Jeffrey Donaldson, he's the head honcho, made the comments to Arlene Foster as the two appeared on screen together on the former First Minister's show on GB, GB News on Friday morning. GB News is a very conservative right-wing sort of so-called alternative news. She asked the lagging MP if previous comments meant that after the election it may well be the case that the executive is no longer able to put together, be put together again. Much is true, you know. I mean, this is the demolition of uh, the Northern Ireland Assembly, really. You know, I'm, I'm surprised people in Belfast don't get upset about it. He added there was a, about creating a political stability in Northern Ireland. Well, that's the last thing the DUP do, it's create stability. It is about restoring fairness, it's about protecting Northern Ireland's place within the internal market of the UK, consistent with the arrangement, the agreements that have been reached between all parties in Northern Ireland and the government. We want, we want the government to honour this uh, commitment. We want the Prime Minister to stand up with Liz Truss 
either uh, either a you know secure agreement with the the EU to remove remove the Irish Sea border and to take unilateral action by triggering Article sixty one, which is allowed in the protocol <coughs> and resolve these issues. He told his former colleague and party leader, "This is an internal UK matter. It's about removing a border that has been created in the middle of the United Kingdom." This is not acceptable. It harms the union. It undermines Northern Ireland's economy. It's damaging and harmful to the well-being of our people. And it's just got to be sorted out. It's interesting to know that the DUP were the only political party to vote to get out, you know, to bring, get out of uh, the European Union. Most of the other <coughs> political parties were uh, just wanted to stay in the EU because they saw advantages in that. <coughs> but now these guys are... They wanted to get out, get out, and now they're not happy, and they never will be happy. It's as simple as that. I think this guy has reached a, a turning point point in his political career, because I think people in uh, Northern Ireland <clears throat> are kind of fed up with all this sort of you know no government, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, going back to Westminster, and there's a lot of important programs, health, housing, and other. Uh, problems that are just being put on the back burner, really, because, you know, they, they just can't, nobody can sign a check and they actually, uh, you know, put the money forward for funding for this or funding for that. So it is a wee bit of, and a wee bit of a pickle and it's down to this uh, DUP. Hopefully there's elections coming up soon and hopefully, they, you know, people might sort of get rid of them, you know, or give them the message that they're not uh, not happy about this. And they certainly won't be happy because apparently the, the Sinn Féin party, about, was it Michelle O'Neill, uh, that you know, the Sinn Féin are quite a large percentage uh, ahead of uh, the DUP. Uh, I mean, they're the biggest party in the country, in Northern Ireland at the moment, and the DUP is struggling. I think they might be just struggling. I think they're second, but they're just just second because I think the Ulster Unionist Party, which is a lot more kind of liberal, to use that term, are uh, you know catching up pretty fast. So it's going to be interesting to see what the outcome is in uh, you know Northern Ireland. But anyway, on that, I would love you and leave you, and just don't forget, be kind and be nice to one another, and enjoy the weekend. Okay, it's supposed to be wet apparently, but we're enduring a lot of. Uh, Tropical weather. I call it tropical Belfast. Really hot weather. But anyway, anyway, on that note, I will love you and leave you and see you next week. Okay, take care and be safe. Bye. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.